Brass Figlegi with uh, Barnes Oakleaf Palm. If uh, you can identify the commercial that that's from, uh, among the favorite old tunes of the past. And Tony, will you please, if you will, Rose of Washington Square to get us underway on this brilliant summer evening. <laughs> enough, old gang. Don't you sometimes find yourself behaving like one of those crowds in a beer commercial? Oh, you know, running around guzzling beer and yelling and hollering and slapping chicks. You know where. And uh, having a great time. I mean, uh, of course, it looks like in from most commercials that they really don't slap chicks. Uh, There was one great commercial I saw recently. It came out about 3 o'clock in the morning between reels of a film featuring Gilbert Rowland. Uh, Gilbert Rowland, don't you remember? Well, uh, Gilbert Rowland stopped there. Yeah, for, stopped for a second, and uh, <laughs> out came this commercial. And they were screaming and yelling and hollering, and it was a commercial for for the new glass cans. Uh, well, they used to call them bottles, Tony. Uh, they're now called glass cans. Just uh, drink your beer in glass cans with no necks. I've known many a person with no neck. And at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning when you're sitting there and suddenly they hit you with that concept of the new glass cans. Of course, you know the can people are, are coming out with the new tin bottles. And uh, I think it'll, it'll work out. All right, uh, one more chorus of Rose of Washington Square, gang. And, of course, we're all part of it. There's no uh, Nobody's putting anybody down, I mean, for crying out loud. I mean, the whole shamu, the whole fruitcake, we're all... Are you a raisin or are you a piece of orange peel? All right, that's enough. That's not Rose of Washington Square. What do you got on there? Is it really? That's the bridge, then. Well, I don't play bridges where I come from. You know, uh, speaking of uh, of the whole schlemu, we are. You know, it, the, the the one thing you've got to you've just got to face is that is that all of mankind is, is you have to imagine it as a giant fruitcake, and of course the raisins don't get along with the with the uh, <laughs> with the lemon peels. It's obvious, and the ginger doesn't get along with the citron, and all the way up and down, it's fist fighting everywhere. But you got to you've got to realize we're all in it together, whether we like it or not. What I mean, I know you're one of the good people. I know it. 
I mean, you wouldn't be here listening if you weren't one of the honest, reliable, sober, industrious people with a clear, clean-cut eye that never, never hesitates to spot a phony every time you see one. And I know that you're above all that jazz, of course. But let's face it, friends, we're all, I mean, we're all in it together. Slobs, good guys, bad guys, all of us. One more little chorus there, Tony. Bring it up there, Tony, old boy. One more there. There we go. Einstein. That you should blush ba, ba, ba. and see. Oh. oh, but be the queen da, 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 da. of some fair garden rose. Oh, I'm playing a bad alto here. Uh, I wish you would set that back in the beginning there. And, uh, of course, we're all part of it. Did you hear his special, special report from Japan? A man bites five women for crime studies in Japan. With a special report from Dentistry Magazine of International Scope. A man bit five women in interest of science and crime detection recently in Tokyo. Man sunk teeth into shoulder blade, forearm, and left deltoid muscle of shoulder of each of five women in the Tokyo Japanese Pharising Criminology Scientific Test. The experiment was part of study of legal value of dentistry in criminal investigations. The bite marks were photographed and measured at regular intervals. In addition, the scoloration and swelling of skin around bite areas were also studied. The biting was done under scientific direction of a team of research dentists at Tokyo Dental College, Japan, and has come to the attention of American Dental Association in Chicago, a very well-known city for crime detection. By observing the healing process of bite injury and color change of bleeding of the skin, the scientists were able to estimate approximately when the biting occurred. We salute scientists moving forward. Special report from Radio Tokyo Scientific Division Public Service Department. No. Once in a while, I revert to my native South Chicagoese. And I mean, if you think the Japanese are on the right tack, here's one here from the Saturday Evening Post. Uh, Datelined and headlined. It's an interesting-looking ad with the big block letters. It says, What is a burial vault? A burial vault is an outer receptacle for protection of the casket to provide protection against other effects of the elements and to support the earth. Wilbert is the burial vault which provides these features at a reasonable price. Over 83 years of experiment and experience and research combined with a completely controlled quality program guarantees a reliable product. So reliable we have been granted the good housekeeping seal of approval. Quick, quick! We're gonna pass Boy, when a blackout is cold, you gotta black out, man. So many guys live just ten minutes past his time. Yes, indeed. I just thought that. That's a look, actually. Look, page uh, 84. 
Uh, so, you know, let's move. Oh, speaking of great ads, uh, you might as well get on that subject there once in a while. A great, fantastic ad here from the silly page of the New York Times. Uh, do you have any serious music for me in there? Uh, I think, I think serious, uh, yes, I think you'll find it. Uh, Miss Brown, please, uh, look up from your notes for a moment. Uh, I think you will find on a copy there. We have, you know, some people are so, I know a guy, I know a guy, Tony, who went through three years of college without once seeing a professor. His face was buried in leather notebooks in every class. I, he was just one of these guys who wrote down every word of every lecture. He kept, of course, he didn't hear any of it. Uh, he didn't, re but he just wrote it down like mad. All right, now, if you will please look at, uh, at that disc there where it says Beethoven's Fifth. I think that's, uh, uh, it's on the first cut. No, it's not on that disc. No, just take it off and look over its first cut on one side. 5,000 fantastic, incredible moments in music. And, uh, while we're, uh, waiting there for the confusion to subside, Yes, there it is. Now, now, set it. It's got a hang up in the beginning. Beethoven always did have that hang up. It's uh, got a hang up there in the beginning. There, we must salute the New York Times and its silly page. Uh, this is, of course, August, and uh, during the month of August, I think the silly season rises to its greatest and most shrill uh, epitome of silliness. In fact, you recall a few years ago, I was once my radio show was once referred to in. The, uh, in the editorial columns of Life magazine. And it was in August, and they called my show an example of the silly season at its worst. Well, of course, Life is in a great position to throw mud pies. Speaking of silly season, they've had a long one. Uh, however, uh, I don't know whether it's a silly season or whether it's the season when reality begins to take over. I'm not so sure. You know, I think we often call reality silliness itself. The other stuff, you know, the, the, the big schlemu that we put on to pretend that we're important and all that, and that, that life has fantastic, incredible meanings that ripple on and on. All these things, I believe, are the periods, when we call them solemnity and seriousness, I think that, that the silliness comes around in August, when guys throw transistor radios at each other and yell out of cars. and You know, uh, all right, please, serious now. No, no hold it, hold it then. I, I don't want to... I don't want to be accused of not being serious. This is a very serious radio station. And, uh, in fact, the other day I got a memo from one of the upper offices, and the memo was uh, headlined, it said, uh, Subject, the Seriousness of American Humor. Uh, and it went on to explain to me that American humor is essentially serious and that one must take a view of the world, that it is a dynamic, moving thing and a thing that we're all involved in and must be treated with a certain amount of what they used to call in Hessville, Indiana, kid gloves. Uh, <laughs> well, there's another phrase for that along the avenue. It's, uh, gee, I wish I could use some of the great phrases that are in the back of my mind that describe things even better than... Well, all right, all set now. From the silly season and from the silly page of the New York Times, another advertisement that spells it out. That is not Beethoven. Take it off. Da, 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 da. This is the silly season, all right, especially in our control room. Well, now, uh, while we're uh, pausing here briefly, speaking of the silliness, we might as well admit this is WORM at FM New York. I ought to give some other station break call here. You know, say this is WABC, the home of dynamic. Now, you got that little heck Now, are you with me? The Hey, you got a commercial in there? Do I have to keep yelling at you? Well, here, let's have it then, friends. <laughs> Sir, the airline just called. 
Who is the ailman? Your jet leaves at 8.45 tonight. He could be you, a man with a thirst for a manly approved. You arrive in Rome at 10 tomorrow. Free out of format. Every time, chew the bolder, keener, tasting ale. Will there be anything else, sir? Valentine! There's a little bit of the ailman in all of us. And nothing brings it out like a Valentine ale. Bolder, keener, more to the point. Valentine ale, the ale man's ale. Who is the ale man? He could be you. A man with a thirst for a manly fruit. Three out of four men. Every time choose the bolder, keener tasting ale. Valentine. Oh, yes, there's nothing like a temperamental stenographer. Well, now, here, we're all set now. Have you got Beethoven set in there? Oh, listen, I know a boss who is so scared of his secretary, seriously, that he calls in every morning to find out what mood she's in. Uh, he, call, he does. He calls up the receptionist and says, how is she today? And the receptionist is smiling. He says, fine, I'll be in in 20 minutes. And if she says, be careful, Mr. Bullard, he says, oh, uh-oh, I'll be, I'll, you can get me at the country club after two. And now, Beethoven. Ah, it's, there you go. See, there's that hang-up. Watch it now. I told you, nice. you got to listen to me. All right, all set. From the silly section of the New York Times, we salute man's serious pursuit of the inexplicable and his pursuit of eternal bliss. New Ten Commandments ballpoint sets, retractable. A different commandment on each pen. Protestant, Catholic, Hebrew versions. Ten colorful ballpoint pens, plus a free bonus of ten extra beatific refills. Colors, Protestant, green and white. Catholic, red and white. Hebrew, blue and white. Yes, a terrific gift. Ten Commandments ballpoint pens with retractable points. Order on 10-day money-back guarantee. You must be delighted with these commandments. I can see a guy getting ready to sign a contract, and he looks down, and his ballpoint pen says, Thou shalt not steal. Bring it up, Tony. Anything, Tony. All right, then stop it, stop it, stop it. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it! Out loud, nothing worse than an overflow of Beethoven. All right, now, now set it back again, huh? <laughs> well, anyway, I think the idea of a Ten Commandment ballpoint pen set has certain merits, and uh, I can imagine a guy signing his credit card somewhere in a little hotel, and he looks down and says, "Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife." And uh, what? Yes, Carvel. Uh, that's uh, you're talking about Carvel frozen fruit or what? Oh, cover. I see. Thou shalt not covet. Oh, oh, I see. That's I said covet there. It's a T. Uh, however, uh, it's a it's a it's a <laughs> uh, only in our time. I'm I'm serious now. I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine. Uh, uh, well, t- Moses or Christ coming back. And, and I'm sure that a lot of people who have a ten commandment, I, I notice they have all ten of them there, too, and uh, they come and it says a different commandment on each pen. Uh, 
You know, that reminds me of these guys that have got these sweatshirts. I have an idea for a sweatshirt. Friends, who would like to turn out a shepherd line? Are there any any good, hard-hitting garment district guys listening to us tonight? I have an idea for a tremendous line of sweatshirts. You know, sweatshirts, the kind that guys wear when they're riding around the convertibles, T-shirts. Not the kind that says, I like Beethoven. That's ridiculous. You know, I like Haydn or uh, I dig Nietzsche, that kind of stuff. Uh, I'd like a sweatshirt that has one single word on it, and all it says with big exclamation points after it just says, Repent! I mean, that'd go over. Oh, I think that'd be great at the, at the diner. I really do. Just says, Repent. And I could see some guy wearing his chinos and his, his, uh, his worn sneakers. He's carrying his banjo, and all it says... <laughs> ah, i got a lot of ideas. Or, or one that simply says, I'm a slob. Yeah, I think so. Or simply say, stamp out slobs. Uh, and, of course, that would be worn by all slobs. Oh, sure, George Orwell predicted this years ago. There's no change. Speaking of slobs, uh, you got my... Uh, Got my piece up there? What the heck happened to it now? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Please give me humoresque. Humoresque. Uh, this is one of those fooling around shows. And, uh, it's, uh, eh, you know, what, uh, what difference does it make? I mean, what, what, after all, what is life but a lot of fooling around? I got in the elevator, uh, the other day and we were coming up to the 24th floor. It was filled with these little, you know, these little gray types, these little short men that have a uh, big fat bulging briefcase. And winter and summer, they wear these these odd little felt fedora type hats with the wide brims and the and the high bands. You know those guys, and they're always working on their taxes. Uh, in fact, uh, you come in here Saturday morning at two a.m. You can come in. There's six of these little guys going up and down in the elevator working on their taxes. Uh, oh yeah, Sunday morning they're working on their taxes. Now, I know what they're doing to their taxes, of course. They're not really working on... Well, maybe if you want to put it that way, they are working on their taxes. But these little guys, up and down, they go millions of them. And so I'm standing in the elevator, and there's a guy in the elevator I happen to know. And uh, it was a beautiful day, you know, a fantastic day. And I looked across the elevator at him through the crowded room. And I said, uh, what are we doing here? And such a great day out. And he said, I don't know. And suddenly, eight little guys turned around. You could hear the creak of their starched collars, and you could hear the rustle of the tax return forms in their briefcase as they turned. I had asked a prime question. Well, all of them know what we're doing here. We're working on our taxes. That's what life is about. <laughs> life is about making dough. You know, somebody sent me a... a uh, have you ever seen any of these financial newsletters? They are some of the most sad reading material... That, that man knows. I mean, really sad. These little financial newsletters, you know, every week, there's, there must be a thousand of them. And they're mailed out to poor hopefuls, uh, you know, guys who figure that they're big, hard-hitting players of the market. they got seven stocks of gold-plated uranium, uh, 17 shares of, of uh, Canadian nickel-plated rubber heel corporation. They're buying these little penny-ante stocks, and, and they get these things. And somehow... Getting yourself a financial newsletter gives you a feeling of being official. It's pure pap and a yard wide, of course, in almost all financial newsletters. It's written, usually most of them are written by little down-at-the-heel guys who have offices on Wall Street. They have to have an, Wall Street. They have to be on Wall Street or down in the, the, the financial district. And there are the equivalent, you know. It's grown up in America in the past 50 years. There is the equivalent. In the financial world, I'm talking about the official financial world, 
to the little Broadway Sharpie run-down at the heels agent. Uh, there are very few guys I know who are, are really sadder than the little theatrical has-been, would-be, never-was producer, agent, name it, you know. He's, he's always got a big deal. I'll never forget the guy that I met one time, wavy hair, you know, and he's got his hair all fixed up and he has a Chesterfield coat, but he's got the look in the eye. I don't know what it is. It's the look in the eye of a man who is afraid at any second somebody's going to put a hand on his shoulder and say, Fred, it's all over. <laughs> really, he's got that look in the eye, see, but he's always very jazzy. And he comes up and he hits me on the back and he says, he says, Shep, he said, I, uh, he says, Shep, I, I, I finally made it. And I said, what, what, what? You know, I thought, you know, David Merrick's called or for God's sake. You know, who knows? Uh, the, uh, Zanuck is on the phone, wants him to come out and produce a, an epic or something. I said, what, 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 what? He says, shh, shh, don't say anything. I said, what, 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 what is it? He says, shh, shh, shh. I have just gotten the rights west of the Mississippi for the George White scandals. I said, the what? He said, George, you know, the famous scandal. What, what do you mean, what? is the biggest thing on Broadway, the George White scandals. The biggest thing on Broadway. That's the biggest thing on Broadway. George White scandals. What? You mean, I, 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 you mean those things that, that George M. Cohan and all those, you know, those, the people like, uh, uh, what were those guys, uh, Harold Lloyd and all that, we're in with uh, 150. He says, yeah, he says, just think, west of the Mississippi, I can produce them anywhere. And he went off down the street with big blue birds flying all around him and clouds and you could, you could hear, you know, you could just hear the, the uranium clicking in his little liver, you know, and he was radiating, he was so happy. And he walks down the street and smartly turns left into the automat. <laughs> there to sit with the rest of his cronies and talk about the big deal he's just consummated. <laughs> now I'm telling you, so help me. This is well. Now that is true in the financial world. Yeah, you, you, there are millions of little guys who once made a killing on the market in 1932 or something, and who have long since lost it. Killing. I mean, they, you know, they 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 had a stock and they sold and they made forty dollars. And ever since that time, now they're financial experts, and they're, they're these guys are doing roughly to the little investor what. These producers, quote, these directors, quote, these agents, quote, are doing to the hopeful non-actor, non-playwright, non-whatever-he-is, non-angel, non-angel who comes to town and wants to get into showbiz. They prey off them. And there's millions of little agents got little offices all up and down Broadway, and they are just waiting. They just got their little old eyes bugging out. You know, it's like a, it's like a spider web waiting for the trains that come in on Penn Station, Grand Central, the bus down here, the bus terminal, wherever anybody comes from Cleveland, Utah, uh, New Mexico who wants to be in the theater, these guys are there. And they sell them all kinds of services. Now, look, look, son, I'll tell you, son, look, look, the first thing you got to have is pictures. Now, listen, I'll send you to this place where you can get the right pictures. You've got to have what we call a composite. Now, you don't know nothing about showbiz, but I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, I know you've got plenty of talent. I saw them groupings. You, you've got plenty of talent. I can tell you just by the way you walked in this office that you got it, and we're going to make it come out of you. Now, the first thing you got to do is go down to this address. Here, give this address and tell them Stanley sent you, see? Stanley sent you. Now, I'll give him a call on the phone. 
I'll go out right out now and I'll make a call on the pay phone. So you know I'm calling my uh, tell them Stanley sent you and listen, for fifty bucks you get yourself a set of five composite pictures and then you bring them in to me. And let me tell you, let's see, it'll cost us about forty dollars to mail them out. Now let's see, that's about ten dollars for stamps. We'll need fifteen dollars for expenses. You know, there's a lot of expenses. We've got to make phone calls, we've got to get the girls in to, to mail them up. And uh well you hurry on back, I'll call Stanley on the phone. Now, I'll, uh, while you're gone, I'll be calling Merrick. I'm going to call Merrick. I'm going to say, listen, Dave, I'm sending a kid over, and by God, you got to see this kid. Now, and I'll, oh, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Are you interested in pictures? I mean, movies, you know? Are you interested? Now, a lot of good artists are not interested in movies, but are you interested in movies? I mean, are you not... All right, kid, listen. Oh, of course, I wouldn't put you any junk. No junk at all. None of these little two-bit Class B fly-by-night seven-readers that down here at 42nd Street. Listen, I got a friend up in the Bronx who's turning out an art film. Now, it's a wonderful film. Now, listen, I'll have you... I'll call him. Listen, you you come out. You hurry out back. You go down to Stanley's. Hurry out back, and I'll be right here waiting for you, son. And so, hope springs eternal in the human breast. The neophyte hits the street running, his hot $150 burning in his pocket, but it won't be there long. And Stanley sits in his little web, his eyes glittering, his little web fluttering as each new butterfly strikes the outermost tendrils. Hope springs eternal in the human breast. Oh, yeah, and you think I'm making this up, I'll tell you. There's, there must be 6,000 of them, and, and just get out your yellow book and look in under the under the title, Theatrical Agents. And I suggest call the first 38 and find out who they handle. <laughs> and what's so sad is about every third or fourth guy uh, that you run into, he will tell you, and, of course, he's got nothing. Oh, listen, listen, kid, I'll tell you. Uh, uh, who, who I got? Who do I handle? Well, let me tell you who I handle. You think, uh, listen, you're not dealing with no small timer here. I don't have much of an office here. Of course, you know, I'll tell you what. I don't believe in big offices. I say put your money in the client. I say put your dough into promoting the client. He's paying the money. He's paying the dough. He, I, I'm interested in art. I am not interested in big offices with all his rugs and all his jazzy art on a door. Listen, I'll tell you what I'm interested in, people. I'm interested in people. And sure enough, you look out there and you see 400 neophytes all lined up in a row there. They're called marks. 400 of them are lined up there in a row, you see. And he's interested in man. How he's interested in I'm interested in people, kid. Uh, now, look, the first thing you got to have is a name. You can't come in here and tell me your name is Charlie Epstein. That is not a marquee name. Charlie Epstein is not a marquee name. It's a good name, good name, very good name. But it is not a marquee name. Now, let me, wait just a minute. Hold it. Uh, Marcia? Hey, Marcia, come here and take a look at this kid. Just take it. Now, wait, wait. Stop. Stop in the door there, Marcia. Hold it. Hold it. Just look at him. Now, now, kid, turn. Turn a little bit. Get the light there on the face there. Hold it. Hold it. Marcia? Who? Gregory Peck. That's right. That's right. This kid is a spitting image of Gregory Peck. All right. Now, Marcia. Now listen, listen, Marsha, listen. I pulled out a blanche. I don't want that that fink across the street to see this kid. Yeah, all right. This kid is hot. All right, all right. Now wait a minute. Now right, just a minute, kid. Now, now look. Has anyone ever told you you look like Gregory Peck? Oh, come on. Now don't be bashful. Come on. Now 
All right, I'm telling you, Stanley, I've been on the street here for over 50 years. You look like Gregory Peck. I remember when Peck walked in here the first day. Greg walked in, and I said to him, Gregory, them cheekbones are commercial. Them cheekbones are commercial. You know he didn't believe me? That, that fink walked out of this office, and now look at him. Look at him now. Well, who was right, me, Stanley, or him, Gregory Peck? I'll tell you. Now, look, kid, you look just like Gregory. Now, you've got to have a good name. I bet you don't know what Gregory Peck's real name is. <laughs> well, I'm not going to be the one to tell you. But I'll tell you this. Your name is not Charlie Epstein no more. Marcia! Marcia! What about, uh, Gaunt Rockwell? No, no, uh, all right, all right, all right. Oh, kid. Your name is now Craig Thor. Craig Thor. And I'm going to... You have them printed right down at the bottom of that beautiful, beautiful pastiche that we're going to have... Your composite? We're going to have the composite? Craig Thor. It's spelled with a K. K-R-A-G. Put it down, Marcia. K-R-A-G-T-H-O-R. Craig Thor. This kid's going to go all the way. All right. Now, you tell him, Stanley. Now, get down there. Get that composite, kid. Gallop, tell him Stanley sent you, and we'll be all set to roll. Oh, look at that boy. That boy is a spitting image, a spitting image of Gregory Peck. All right, get going now, kid. All right, Marshall, let the next one in. The next one. All right, the next one. Oh, baby. Where have you been all my life? Wait, hold, Marshall, Marshall. Take a look at this little girlie. Take take a look at this little girlie, Marshall. Who does she look like? Hold it now, hold it now. now, now I, I'm not, I haven't even told her about who does she look like, Marcia? Audrey Hepburn. Audrey... Has anyone ever told you you look like Audrey Hepburn? Well, now, now uh, there's another there's another side to this scene, uh, which, which. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's just really sad. Uh, now, one other thing though that must be said about all of these guys. They have one stock line, uh, one one thing that they keep, uh, that they always have. Oh, I'd say three out of five of them have, uh, and, and it is this one. Uh, please, uh, Hope Springs Eternal Music. This is on the second visit. All right, now, now look, now look, Charlie, you don't mind if I call you by a real name. After all, we're only in the office here, Charlie, and I, I don't, you know, uh, Craig Thor. All right, now, all right, Charlie, look. We got, we got, we got the composite now. Now, the next thing we're going to have to work on is, well, we've got to take a little work. Uh, what, 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 what does all good art mean? Work, art means work. Work, 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 work. You don't think for one minute. That, well, what's her name? Oh, that girl that sings in the opera. Donna. Maria Callas? Callas? You don't think she got there by not working? Let me tell you, that girl night and day. Sing, 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 sing. Now, the next thing we are going to have to do is to get a little work under your belt. Now, I have a friend. Now, now this, this, let me tell you, this friend has offices in Carnegie Hall. Now, you all know Carnegie Hall. Offices in Carnegie Hall and only takes one new pupil a year. One new pupil. But me, for Stanley, she'll take you. Now, singing lessons will cost you $10 a week. One lesson for $10, and let me tell you, it's worth every last penny of it. Every last penny. Now, just a minute. I'm going to call. Hold on. Hold on. Marcia, Marcia, will you get Mademoiselle Rosedale on the phone, please? She takes one pupil a year, and let me tell you, her pupils are singing in all the opera houses all over the world. 
Do you know that uh, at least five of her pupils right now singing right on Broadway in every last Broadway musical, every last one, and none of them could sing when they come here. Come in here. Go, Amy Faso. Get her on the phone. Let's go, Monster. Come on. We can't wait. We can't wait. They're booking people every day. We got to go. We got to go. They're reading them right now. Hello? Stanley? Oh, come on now. <laughs> She just loves me. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, listen. I don't want to talk right now. I'm going to send the boy down. His name is Craig Thor. K-R-A-G. No, on a level, actually. That's his name. K-R-A-G-T-H. It's, I don't know. It's Greek or something. K-R-A-G-T-H-O-R. Big, handsome. Looks like Gregory Peck. Yeah. Gregory Peck. When? All right, all right, fine, thank you. Only for me, huh? Yeah, very good, very good. Listen, get down there right now. Five minutes, she says five minutes only. If after five minutes, it's, it's no go because there's seven other kids coming and you're going to be the first one. Tell her Stanley sent you. Your name is Craig Thor. K-R-A-G-K-R-A-G-T-H-O-R. Okay, fine. All right, go on, come on, come on, come on. Get going, son. Now, go on, go on. we got to start working. we got to get that voice. Come on. Monsieur! And then, then of course, there's another little scene too that they've got. It's a great scene, uh, and this this is the this is the 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 distinguished client scene. Almost every last one of them has a distinguished client in his his uh, his little book. Uh, and the distinguished client Tony almost invariably is an is a is an actor who made her last picture in the fall of 1932, and <laughs> she's right. He'll say, he'll say, wait a minute, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, hey, oh, Monsieur, Monsieur, will you please, will you get Claire on the phone? Listen. Uh, I, I I suppose you're going to hear you're going to hear a lot of talk about a lot of agents about who they handle. You know who I handle? For years I've been handling it, Clara Bow, Clara Bow. And let me tell you, Merrick's doing a thing for her next fall on Broadway. We've got a thing coming up. Clara! Clara, get Clara on the phone. <laughs> oh, man. Now, uh, one of the most, uh, and of course, uh, the, the, the point of this uh, whole tirade here is, is that these, uh, th- that this particular area has crept into the financial world. Uh, there are thousands of little down at the heel guys who, who wear Chesterfield coats and bowler hats. Uh, who have a stock of Hombergs and gold-headed canes, and, <laughs> and they have an office on Wall Street, usually a very low number, like number eight wall, or six, or five, or three, or even one, or two. Somehow they've gotten themselves a broom closet. And, uh, and, and many of them have just got a little mailing address, you know, but as long as it has a, a distinguished Wall Street address, they're in business. And so they turn out their little newsletter, which is a weekly or a monthly, and, and, and in, the, in the living room of his little place there, there is his girl, usually his uh, ex-wife, or uh, quite, often, uh, <laughs> quite often it's his sister. And she works the mimeograph machine, and they turn out things, and it's always marked confidential. Confidential, a world economic service that anticipates price trends and business movements on a worldwide scale with deep and fantastic insight. And it's very efficient. Monetary policies, commodities, security markets, economic trends, consultation, investment portfolios. Well, uh, all tremendously. It's got, uh, you usually have great names, 
like the, uh, I'll just pick one out of the hat, like the uh, Witherspoon Research, uh, let's see, the Witherspoon Research Center for Economic Trends and Economic Philosophies, that kind of thing. Uh, a, a, a prediction bureau for men who are on the ground floor of all the big deals. And, and uh, oh, another, another, <laughs> another one of the things is that they always, they always send you a flyer that says, we only allow 2,000 men. There are only 2,000 subscribers to our, to our dynamic service. Now, uh, two of our subscribers have recently been elevated to prime ministership of two big countries. Leaving our ranks open, there are now two openings for new subscribers. And we have carefully screened thousands of applicants and have come up with your name. You are now privileged to be. Of course, it costs you $50 a year, you know. <laughs> Sad little thing. And, 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 and uh, some, of them, some of them make the most wild, interesting statements. Here's one here. I, I think this is kind of a nice statement. It opens up, and this is the first line. Uh, can, can I have a little Hope Springs Eternal music there, please? The most important thing in our lives today is what happens to interest rates and the value of the dollar. <laughs> That's going to surprise Tennessee Williams. <laughs> the most important thing in our lives today is what happens to interest rates and the value of the dollar. Well, I guess it is. Uh, of course, each, each one of these people in his own little way is totally enveloped in the world of that thing that he's got. Uh, you go to one of these little agents and these little agents are, are far more steeped in theater lore. Far more steeped in names. Uh, they read every last little theatrical casting list that comes out. Then they even, then, then, the, then the big ones. You go to a big producer. It's fascinating. A big producer will rarely, rarely talk about the theater. And more than that, uh, he often doesn't know anything about it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have the, you know, the big, by knowing, I'm saying he knows the theater, but he doesn't know what, uh, Merrick is doing next week. <laughs> he doesn't say, oh, Sinjin Terrell, let me tell you, I'll tell you, 1948, he, uh, it, it's, it's the, it's the accumulation of the non-essential trivial fact that makes many of these guys feel like they're in the business. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. If you if you accumulate enough trivia, like fur, like wearing a fur coat, all over you, little facts of uh, who's casting uh, for, who's looking for chorus girls this week, uh, who's putting on a review in Atlantic City, who's got a big show going on in Cairo, Illinois. Uh, these guys, these guys have a, a great fund of that kind of knowledge. Now, I remember uh, when I first came to New York, uh, I I, uh, I had. Uh, been in and out of town, various uh, radio and TV things, one thing or another. And the first time I ever ran into one of these guys, it was fascinating. It was to me, it was it was a revelatory meeting uh, because he he looked and acted like an old movie character's interpretation of a Broadway sharpie. Now I wondered whether he was playing that because he had seen a lot of movies starring Jimmy Gleason. 
You remember Jimmy Gleason running around? All right, kid, we'll get you into Madison Square Garden the first week that we go into training. Now, the first thing you got to do, kid, you got to get yourself a set of trunks, you got to get yourself a set of shoes, and we're going to get yourself in training. And we're going to go down to Stillman's Gym this afternoon. And, you know, that remember uh, Jimmy Gleason? I think Jimmy Gleason, more than any other uh, performer in the American theater, if you can call it the theater, uh, set the trend for thousands of guys who and set the trend. He set the prototype, the mold. And so I, I get on the phone. To this guy, and I was I was introduced to him by a friend of mine. He said, "Look, you got You just got to see this guy." And and of course, these men are always on first name basis. The first instant you call them, it doesn't make any difference. Believe me, if Charles de Gaulle called one of these guys, "Hey, Charlie! Hey, for God's sake, Charlie, come on in!" They're always looking for Frenchmen here in New York. Uh, uh, th- this uh, this would be his first line. Uh, and so I I I call this guy. And and I I don't know him. He doesn't know me. You see, and I say uh, hello. Uh, I, we have a mutual friend, and uh, my name is uh, uh, Shepard. Uh, my name is uh, Oh Shep. He said, Yeah, of course. He said, Come on in. Well, of course, he immediately thought that here was a mark. Well, I I went into his office, and there it was up on Broadway. And you never saw anything like it. It was honest, George. Honestly, it was right out of out of a Jimmy Gleason movie. He's sitting in, in a desk there. He shared a, a, an office with about four other Sharpies of, of different types. Uh, he was kind of the spearhead Sharpie. He was the Jimmy Gleason type. There was a guy sitting there who looked exactly like Sidney Greenstreet. He was the sinister, big-time review producer type. And he always liked to pretend that he was going to do a big girly show. Well, he did have girly shows in his apartment continually, and they were always, but you know, that's another scene. And, and, and so here is Jimmy Gleason sitting at his desk with nine phones going all the time. I don't know how they have, the, these phones are working, because they never seem to do any deals or make anything happen, but the phones are ringing all the time. And outside in his, outside in his waiting room, there must have been at least 25 guys. There was a guy with a seal. There were four, four Chinese girls who did a juggling act. And Gleason is sitting with his hat pushed on the back of his head. And he says, all right, now look. Look, I don't care what you say. You're not going to get her at that price. No, you're not going to get her at that price. No. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. You know who you're talking to? Oh, yeah? Well, the same to you. Hey, listen, baby. The next time that Merrick calls, tell him I'm out. That's loud. Yeah. And there is old Jimmy Gleason at work with his hat on the back of his head, his cigar going. And, and, and in, in, in all around his desk are empty coffee cups from chock full of nuts. And every five minutes he's, hey, hey, baby, any of you want any coffee? What do you want to drink? What do you want? What do you, how do you want it? Black? Do you want it all regular? Hey, look, get coffee in the whole gang. Yeah, okay. And by the way, will you please get, uh, get Sanic on the phone? Yeah, get, get, get Daryl on the phone. Yeah. 